Hey everyone, it is Audrey here today with another episode of Sportive AF. Merry Christmas Eve, and if you're listening to this after Christmas Eve, then I hope you're having just a good normal day. Today we have Julian McKay. He is so amazing, and I absolutely loved the conversation we had. I really hope you enjoy it. Please go follow us on social media, and don't forget to follow Julian McKay as his Instagram is killing it. Okay guys, let's get started. Okay guys, here is Julian McKay, Principal Dancer of the San Francisco Ballet, previously Principal Dancer of the Mikhailovsky Theatre, and before that he trained at the Bolshoi Ballet in Russia since he was 11 years old. I'm so excited to have you on today, Julian. How are you? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Um, trying to stay busy during these COVID times, but so far so good. That's great. Can you give us a little day in the life of Julian McKay? Um, well, so usually... Um, so I moved now to a new city here in San Francisco um, and I'm really like enjoying, I guess, waking up a lot earlier than I'm used to um, because you get to kind of catch the sunrise. And that's something that I always miss when I was in Russia because you wake up and it's kind of dark and you go, go to work, work the whole entire day and then come back home and it's dark too, usually, especially during like the winter time. Um, and so it's something that's like super new that I've really been enjoying just getting to see kind of uh, the sunrise and sunsets and stuff and really like these beautiful colors. Um, but basically, usually I go to work. Um, our work right now is uh, mainly uh, ballet class rehearsals and mainly film projects because we don't have any live shows. Um, and I've really been kind of enjoying getting to know the company more because I came here not really knowing any of the dancers or the ballet masters. Um, and I only really had a conversation uh, with Helgi Thomason um, probably like three times before I came. Really? Um, <laughs> And I didn't necessarily know that much about the company before then. So I really just enjoyed kind of getting to know the company and the dancers and how everything works and stuff. Yeah, that's so cool. And do you have like a set morning routine? Um, not really. I would say like uh, I just try and make sure and get out of bed and get to class. That's usually the most important thing for me. I used to have like, you know, the place that I'd stop and like grab my coffee or yeah. like a certain like, breakfast I would have. But as of late, I've kind of just... Uh, gone with the flow of you know how I'm feeling and I usually always have like a cup of tea or coffee in the morning but pretty much uh that's pretty much it yeah no, same I'm the exact same and I see on your Instagram you're always super busy with different projects so I'm sure you don't really have like a typical day that happens all the time so how do you deal with kind of like having to adapt to new schedules all of the time well, um, I think I was lucky because when I was little, like super little, my mom, she, she put me in like Montessori school. And so I had this like, I guess, I don't know, it's maybe not so traditional um, like way of learning and teaching, but it really helped me because basically like in Montessori, you get to choose like the lessons that you want to do. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much you know about it, but it's basically like uh, an open classroom format. So you don't necessarily sit at a desk, but you do have like a certain amount of subjects throughout kind of the week that you have to cover but you can choose if that's monday you do it tuesday wednesday sure. like how much time you spend uh, you just have to like finish it by the end of the week and so because i had that like when i was super little i think like now when i'm older it becomes a lot easier to kind of coordinate and figure out like my schedule yeah. even if that's not like super strict i still like try and make sure and get things done by a certain kind of uh date or like you know uh by a certain time and so i think i've been lucky to to be flexible, but at the same time, like somewhat good with scheduling. 
it's definitely something that takes time to, to figure out and especially when like the projects require like different things if that's you know me physically dancing or if that's like responding to emails or getting on like conference calls and stuff it's always like something different and so I think the key is just to be flexible yeah no I love that advice definitely I know time zones are hard always <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out what time everyone is for conference calls <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so you're only 23 years old, right? Yeah. And you've accomplished so much at such a young age, which is so incredible. Can we go back to the beginning of where you started, how you got into ballet and your training at the Bolshoi? Yeah. Um, so I basically, I started dancing kind of, I tap danced on the driveway. We had these like tap shoes that I begged my mom to buy. Um, I'd seen basically my sisters uh, going to ballet school um, and I, not really ballet school, more like private classes here and there. Um, they really wanted to do it professionally. And so um, when they did kind of uh, figure it out, like how, that, how they wanted to do it and where they wanted to go, they ended up at the Kira Ballet Academy in Washington, D.C. Wow. Um, and that was kind of the first serious step for them. And so as like a family, my mom and dad didn't really know anything about ballet. Just they tried to educate themselves as much as possible. Um, and so like they kind of sent the girls off. Uh, that was like a difficult moment. And I remember coming and watching this like winter performance um, that like the school was doing and seeing uh, Brooklyn Mac, this like insane Corsair on stage, like for the first time, this like super powerful male dancer um, that I could like see myself becoming, I guess. Because um, before then, like dancing around and just like having fun was just like a part of the living room basically and trying not to break anything yeah. um but like a serious profession or like what to do with it i only saw my sister so i never really knew that there was that kind of possibility um until i went and saw this uh winter show and corsair and everything um so that's kind of like how i started i guess but um going to russia was uh, more like a leap of faith I, I guess i didn't really i didn't know i didn't know about russia i didn't know that much about like russian training i just knew that all the places that I went that I really loved the teachers, uh, they were all Russians. And right. so when I asked them, like, where should I go to school? And like, I really want to get like the full experience of like character, duet, uh, gymnastics classes. They were all like, oh, well, you should go to school like in Moscow yeah. um, at the Bolshoi. And so it kind of like we heard about it, but it didn't really happen until I got this like opportunity from a summer program in Connecticut to go to Russia and like try it out and see what it was like. Um, and I kind of like convinced my mom, um, my sisters helped me convince her because they kind of felt that if they had training, uh, like this, when they were like really young, they would be like super grateful. Yeah. And so they were like, well, like, you know, later on he can always go, but like when he's young, like why not try now and see, see what happens. Like if you don't like it, you can always come home. Yes. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up in Russia. Uh, my brother Nicholas, he came, uh, the year after me. And he was always like way more talented in ballet than I was. He was like super flexible right off the bat, like super smart. Um, and I remember that like my entrance exam into uh, the Bolshoi was like barely passable. Um, it was like a three or something. And Nicholas, when he came like the next year, got a five and like had already learned Russian in like two months. And so oh it was God. quite, uh, it was quite fun to have like a brother there with me because yeah. any of like the crazy stuff that happened like at the academy or whatever else, like. I, I not only had like my mom who was living there kind of uh, supporting us, like, That's good. like, you know, literally, I mean, obviously not at the beginning before we found like an apartment and stuff, but she was quite close to the academy always. I always felt that like I could call her on the phone and like I wasn't alone really. 
Um, and then on top of that, I also had my brother who like already like learned the language super well and like had tons of friends. So like, I felt like I was, um, I guess like safe at the Academy and like well taken care of, even though it sounds like, you know, going to Russia when I was like 11 <laughs> and Nicholas was nine was like crazy. But for us, it was like really normal. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's crazy. I also, I was telling you earlier, I went to Russia as well. And yeah, the language is so hard to learn. Like, I honestly couldn't learn it that fast. And it's hard. Yeah. How did you, how long did it take you to kind of learn the language? Well, so it took, it took me probably like a year to be fluent. Yeah. Um, wow. I guess like, for me at the time it was like a year was a super long time and yeah. it seemed like forever um and like my brother Nicholas because he picked it up in like two months I realized basically that like uh, all these like I went to quite a few uh, like Russian classes at the academy that they provided yeah. and I really like didn't enjoy them and like it was really difficult for me to kind of uh, sit there and focus and somehow like put together a language it was like really hard um especially because I uh I was just I don't know, thinking about the ballet more. And so I realized that like the Russian language would give me the opportunity to kind of connect with my teachers more and like talk with my friends. And I didn't really have anyone I could speak English to except for like my brother or my mom. And so I like I was very much forced to learn Russian because that was the only way of communicating. Yeah. Um, and with like my brother and stuff, we also realized quite quickly that uh, the Russian kind of... Um, the way the Russian mentality worked at the school was that the more you kind of showed them that you were trying to like accept their culture and learn it and be a part of it, the more that they wanted to support that and help you. Yes. And so we realized quite quickly that like, even at the Academy and stuff, like we'd always speak Russian with each other, which like might seem weird, but just became like super normal because yeah. it, it was like, we were in a new country and like we had respect, like what they, uh, what they had already built and put together. And like, we wanted to be a part of it rather than, um like you know separate from it and do you think having those kind of i guess like not many 11 year olds or nine year olds can say they experience a whole cultural change at that age do you feel like that that helped you become kind of the person you are today um definitely definitely i think uh it, it changed my personality a lot um before i went to russia um i was very much like this kid from montana that like you know, I had friends and stuff and I love to be like artistic. I, uh, I played chess and like fence and stuff, but I wasn't like, I guess I wasn't really, uh, disciplined mm -hmm. to the extent that I am now. And I think definitely, uh, ballet gave me that, but also specifically like the Bolshoi Ballet Academy, because when you're like 11 years old and you come to like ballet class in the mornings and it's super early, like, it's not a joke. It's like super serious. And not only like the teacher enforces that, but like all the kids there realize how serious kind of the training is. Mm. And so for me to be like around that atmosphere and like seeing that like on a daily basis gave me then kind of that sense of discipline along with the kind of the lessons that they were teaching us. Um, not only just in ballet and stuff, but kind of like in everyday life, um, mm. like how, how if you're going to go for like a goal that like you shouldn't, you shouldn't kind of, uh, focus on anything but like being the best basically that's their that's their approach it's like yeah. you just have to make it somehow you have to make it um <laughs> and I think that that really helped me um with with other things in my life too did you find that you enjoyed kind of that tough love mentality of the Russians rather than kind of like sugarcoating everything and saying like it's okay like it will get better soon <laughs> like 
well it's something that like became supernatural for me yeah so um like when uh when i was at the school it was something super normal for like uh my teacher to scream at me or like say how awful something was it was like really normal and so um like when i got into a theater and kind of started working more professionally like ballet seemed almost like uh i don't know something so enjoyable in comparison to school that like I don't know it's it's like a lot of people say how much they hate like ballet class or practicing and stuff but it's so worth it because you get to perform yeah. and I think that like ballet school really was that for me but at the same time like I really enjoyed that tough love because even yes. um like my first teacher at the academy uh, this like Olga Wojnarowska she like loved Elvis Presley and always like played his music on Saturdays and like had a great sense of humor but at the same time, like if you disrespected her or were joking with your friend in class, she'd kick you out and it'd be like super hardcore. And I think also with like the language, I was lucky at the beginning that I didn't necessarily understand it for like half a year fully because as soon as I understood it, I realized like the insults and like, like what exactly she was saying to me and then had to cope with it like even more, I guess. Um, but to be honest, we were like uh, like teenage boys and stuff then. Yeah. So it took a lot to, I guess, like calm us down and get us focused. <laughs> um, so I have a lot of respect for, for her, for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's really funny how you said, like, you didn't know what they were saying, but they were insulting you. That was the exact Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember the first day. With me. I'm sure you experienced that too. Like the first day I showed up. I remember uh, like going into the, the, this like classroom that the international department had told me like was my class. And I go in there and the teacher is telling me like, no, 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 you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong class. Like you need to leave. Like, this is not your class. Like, I don't care who you are, whatever. And that was my teacher and that was my class. <laughs> and so like, just like looking back on moments like that, it's quite funny. Especially at the beginning, it can be super hard to, um, I guess, assimilate. Um, and I think that's why it takes some time to, to get used to it. Um, definitely. And you were saying that kind of like how people prefer performing than class. Do you yeah. prefer performing than class? Well, yeah, I don't know. I really, I do enjoy rehearsing. Mm -hmm. um, I've had uh, the opportunity to work with like a lot of wonderful um, coaches and legends of ballet mm -hmm. that the kind of the knowledge that they can impart to you is really so valuable. And I think the thing that, uh, I've been realizing more and more as I get older is that those like moments that um, that teacher or that dancer said something to me and it was like a small thing that I was like, oh, you know, they probably say that to everyone or, you know, I'm not the only one to have heard that. Later on, I realized that, oh, wow, like no one else was listening to the class or like, you know, they really didn't tell that to anyone else. And so you feel really special um, and kind of, I guess, a responsibility to uh, remember those elements and like try and incorporate them and then hopefully pass them on just like they did to you. Um, so I think for me, like the reason why I love rehearsals and ballet class is because when you go on stage, it just, it, it shows. So it shows like that kind of legacy and history that's like been built up in you from teachers, coaches, and all these like, uh, you know, costumes even and stuff that you wear. It's, it's amazing to see that on stage because I feel like it's a continuation of that legacy. Um, and I think that's like super special. Yeah, no, I love that. And okay, so in the Q&A we did, we got a lot of questions asking from younger dancers, what is some advice that you would give to your younger self in training? Uh, hmm, that's a good one. Uh, I, think, I think probably for me, I would say uh, like trust yourself more. 
because especially when I was in school, I had this kind of um, this self-doubt that at the beginning of my training was very like necessary because it, it pushed me to always kind of doubt what exactly I was doing, if it was good or, enough or not, and like always like try again and try again. But a little bit later on in my training, uh, it was difficult for me to gain that self-confidence um, that's needed to kind of, you know, just show what you've learned. Um, and I think for me, that was probably a difficult moment that, uh, I think definitely a little bit more self-confidence would have helped. Um, and I think I was great. I'm, I'm really grateful still, um, that I had my parents and kind of my family support during those times, because as like a young dancer, you're always questioning, questioning yourself, uh, and like never really sure. Um, even if you go and like win a competition or something, it's like, you don't really know, you feel like you did well, but it's hard to tell. Definitely. And you really trust like your teachers and your coaches and stuff. And um, for being in Russia, a lot of the experiences that I've had have been uh, very interesting uh, politically and like socially. And sometimes I got caught up in things that I didn't necessarily know the full extent of. And so as a student, you take the first thing that's said to you as like truth. Yeah. And that can be really difficult if you, if you trust in that too much. Yeah, definitely. I actually love what you said about even if you like win a competition or something that you, you still doubt yourself. And I think, of course, yeah. I think a lot of people think if you win a competition like pre or youth American Grand Prix that you're going to have like amazing confidence, but sometimes it's not, not the case. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think uh, like for me with my experiences, a lot of the times, uh, that confidence, even since I was little, I, I was the type of kid that was like super shy and like dancing and ballet and going on stage shocked my parents because they didn't realize that I was this like super expressive kid. Um, <laughs> because I felt like I was kind of safe enough on stage to open up and like show those emotions or like, just like be free. Um, because I wasn't necessarily me, I was playing a role. Yeah. And I think, uh, with like competitions and, uh, you know, some, some of the, the ones that like I've done well in it's, it's been kind of that, uh, that experience where I like become the character on stage. And so I feel that it's, it's something that I can commit to and be confident in. Um, but definitely, uh, throughout my training, I had a lot of, I guess, self doubt that, um, maybe sometimes stopped me. Um, but I think the only way I really made it through it was because I had very close family support. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And for those dancers out there who are young, would you have like when you were going through that self-doubt and kind of lower confidence was there anything that you did that kind of helped you feel more confident or more just able to achieve those goals well i kind of i kind of realized uh, at one point that the goals that i set for myself that i wanted to achieve um the most important thing was for me to believe in them mm -hmm. and not necessarily to kind of look for people that believed in them as much as i did but to start with myself and then kind of with that energy and um, kind of thought, kind of try and take it on, uh, on this journey and see who else would support it and who else would kind of also see that potential. Um, and so I think for me, it started with me kind of seeing, seeing those dreams myself and seeing that they were possible. Yeah. Um, and then when I started pursuing them and seeing other people like supporting me, pursuing them, it made me like, I don't know, made me change in how I looked at it all. 
um, it, it definitely starts like with you and and your kind of intent and what you want to do um, and also your drive and passion for it if you're super passionate about something and the whole entire world tells you you shouldn't do it or that's not possible you totally should do it because <laughs> it's your it's something you are passionate about and you enjoy um, so I think you have to always kind of see where where the dream takes you yeah I love that the other day I actually read this quote it, it was so simple it, and it's saying exactly what you're saying it was like if you believe you can you can yeah like, and it's so true like if you believe you can you you can do anything yeah. yeah definitely how do you feel you've evolved from school or training life to now a principal dancer i know that's a big jump but like how do you feel you've evolved as a person and a dancer um well i think I, I was really grateful um, that when, when I graduated school, I went to uh, the Royal Ballet to kind of see what the ballet world was outside of Russia, because I'd spent uh, quite a bit of my training there in Russia and in that kind of ballet scene, which is very different. Yes. Um, and so I was grateful to kind of see what it was like. Um, and then about like eight months later, going back to Russia and moving to St. Petersburg, uh, I had this amazing coach, uh, Mikhail Sivakov and Mikhail Meserer. They both like basically, I guess, helped form me into the dancer that I am now. And so what I mean by that is like all the first steps that I took on stage in these principal roles um, that I danced when I was still super young uh, were really well coached, not only from like a, a dancer's perspective, but also from like a human perspective. So like when you get pissed off and show up late for rehearsal and scream at your partner, like my coach was always there to kind of guide me in the right direction or like if I wasn't feeling well what's the best thing to say to your director or your partner if you should pull out of a role or if you should like stick it through and like actually perform it um and so like all these kind of life experiences that are maybe not even necessarily the actual like ballet dancing because of course there was a ton of coaching of that but more like uh, I guess, life skills around the theater, like how to, you know, how best to treat your fans, your colleagues, the stagehands, how to be professional about uh, class, rehearsals, like costumes, makeup, um, and all the other things that fit into it. And so I was, I would say that the, that's the biggest difference um, from school uh, is probably that like understanding of the profession in general and more, um, more kind of life skills even that come along with it. Yeah, and they're so important. Like sometimes that's even more important, like how you treat people. Definitely, definitely. And do you feel dancing with all of those different companies, so Royal, Mikhailovsky Theatre, now San Francisco Ballet, do you feel that because you've trained at so many different places and danced with different companies, your style has changed and it's like quite unique in your own way? Um, well, I think I definitely have like uh, this Vaganova base uh, because my training in Moscow. Um, besides that, I've, I've been quite lucky, um, especially during my time uh, at the Mikhailsky Theater, to travel a lot and perform with tons of different ballerinas and tons of different theaters, like all over the world. And that really gave me, um, uh, I guess, like a broader understanding of the dance community and like how people focus on certain things. If that's like a super Parisian background or like an Italian chiquetti, I think it's, it's quite interesting to see uh, just the wide range of, uh, I guess, you know, the way people approach ballet. It, it can be very, very different, even though it's the exact same art form. 
Um, and so for me, I've always tried to be very flexible um, with uh, my understanding of it and what exactly I, I'm dancing as well. Um, I feel like the best artists and the people that I really look up to and love, um, even if that's someone like Barishnikov, they can dance, you know, Twyla Tharp amazing. Um, and it has nothing to do with their Vaganova background. It has to do with the fact that they themselves are open to trying new things and giving it their all. Um, I think the like Russian base for me really gave me a lot of stability, um, especially when I was younger because I needed to, to have that kind of solid base um, that I'm really grateful for. But I think now um, kind of also moving here to San Francisco, it's really exciting to see um, kind of the new things you can try out with your body um, and how you can kind of, and not necessarily combine them all, but I guess switch for, from, uh, you know, certain styles and characters um, pretty seamlessly uh, because of, I guess, like the base discipline. Mm, That's what yeah. I would say. Yeah. Now onto your Instagram. I'm always seeing you participate in new projects, collaborations, video shoots, and they're all so, so cool. And I love all of that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I wanted to get your opinion on what your thoughts are of bringing ballet more into the commercial world and kind of making it more popular to the general public. Well, so I think definitely um, like with my Instagram, the reason why I even started it was just to keep in contact with friends like in Montana when I first moved to Russia. And so uh, really for me, it was always like just sharing kind of what I was experiencing. Um, but I think like as I got older, I realized things that, uh, like to do with social media and like content production in general. It's, it's something that if you share kind of like bits and pieces of your life, then other people can like follow that, but also like really support that. Yeah. Um, and unless you share that, it's very difficult for people to actually find that information out um, and be able to support it the same way. Um, and so it's quite exciting to see this new, um, this new wave and this new world that we live in and how these kind of older art forms like ballet and opera and kind of the traditional theater are adapting to, uh, you know, these new ways of showing what's going on. Um, and I think dance and ballet has become quite popular, um, especially as of late, um, in the past like 10, 15 years, uh, with a lot of new kind of new generation stars, uh, new people doing kind of new opportunities um, a lot of like film and acting. Um, but I think it, the reason why it's so enticing to so many people is because it's old and because it's this like, uh, you know, Victorian, I guess, art form basically that you can see nowadays. That's why it's so unique because there, it has that legacy, but it also can be super new. Um, and I think the contrast is super cool. Yeah. I love it. And I love your Instagram. Like it's so cool what you and Nicholas do with McKay. Oh, thank you. It's so cool. And how do you feel ballet can evolve and kind of continue to grow new audiences? Like I know Instagram and like social is such a big thing, but do you see it going kind of anywhere else beyond that? What, what I see in the dance community right now is like a lot of great artists that are really promoting themselves, like fantastic. Um, but I don't see a lot of theaters doing the same. I don't, I don't see a lot of opera houses uh, that have an amazing social media team or like tons of digital events that bring people into the theater. And I think that's something that a lot of people are dealing with and trying to figure out the best ways, um, especially since like uh, the theater and the way it works is such, um, there's so many rules and restrictions and unions. There's a lot of stuff to deal with and figure out, especially if you want to just open up more. Um, yeah. It takes time. 
Um, but I think it's very exciting to see how artists are kind of starting that and being uh, really, um, you know, I guess, uh, being really successful with it themselves and kind of showing that to the companies and how, how that can change. Um, I think a lot more, uh, I guess, free agent opportunities should exist in the ballet world. Um, because you have these, like, you can have uh, opera singers that uh, perform all over the world, are still, like, very top class, um, and have the ability to decide if they want to perform in London or in Paris for this season or for that season. But with ballet dancers, it's usually a little bit more kind of confined to one theater. Um, and if you do switch to another theater, it's more like you're leaving behind that theater and not necessarily able to connect both of them. Um, so I think for me, what I would like to see is a lot more uh, international stars because there are definitely a, like quite a few of them. But when you actually look at like the dance community and, you know, principals and all these like phenomenal dancers, yeah. they really have... Um, there's really not that many of them that are international, which yeah. I think is quite surprising nowadays because we have social media and ways to connect with people halfway around the world, but not necessarily a way to bring that artist halfway around the world to perform. Yes, I totally agree. As well, it has a lot to do with um, the way that it's marketed, um, especially like uh, dance is like a massive sector and ballet is something that, you know, everybody does or tries or knows about, yeah. but it's not something like football or tennis where later on when those kids kind of grow up, they have those massive sponsorship deals or, you know, uh, kind of television uh, broadcasting mm -hmm. rights. Yeah. It, it just doesn't really happen for the ballet industry. And I think that has to do with uh, kind of funding and sponsorship, but at the same time uh, in general, these artists um, that are, you know, want the next superstars, mm. that they also kind of invest in their career. Because even from like with McKay Productions, the thing that we uh, have figured found out uh, with even like Nicholas is that a lot of dancers, you know, when they hit that point where, wow, like they're promoted to principal, they're superstars, they've made it. Yeah. They don't even have footage or photos of their first performance or the first time they dance that role, or they have no content to create yeah. their wonderful documentary about them which yeah. is something that like doesn't really happen in the sports industry because you find these talents when they're like 14, 15, yeah. even younger. And already then you know that they're going to be really good. And so people invest in them at that age. So they don't necessarily wait until they succeed and then they're like, oh, now I can hop don't on. Okay, now yeah. you can like get the brand deal or like now we can do something cool with you. It, yeah. it happens like a, a, uh, really at the early stages of it. Yeah, no, definitely. Now for the creative process of kind of your Instagram and like the photos and videos you guys produce, is there anything you guys do to find inspiration or kind of that innovative style that you have? Well, I really like to focus on, um, I guess, other genres of art that are similar to kind of what I'm trying to pursue. Yes. Um, and I feel like that's more probably to do with like the music industry and these like crazy concerts that people put together. Um, because when I look at like my favorite singer or rapper or musician, they have this like insane image of someone that's like a superhuman. And so obviously I know that they're like a real person and they're just crazy talented, but everything to do with like the marketing, um, the like experience that you have with their social media, um, their merchandise, like where they tour, 
it feels like they're this like amazing superhuman. And when I look at uh, like what I try to do for social media, I really try and show like all aspects of, of what it is that I do. If that's like right before the performance, I'm like messing around and then the like crazy insane performance. But I show like both sides of it because I yeah. think um, that's super interesting for people to see that like you're someone that like, you know, that could be standing right next to them and doing the exact same thing as them. And you could be there too. Or it could be someone that's like trained for, you know, 15 years and this is like their moment and they're in tip top shape. So I think the, the context of that is quite cool. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Showing both sides. I love when people can show behind the scenes as well. Because yeah. sometimes I look at like the best, like some of the best ballerinas and you just see their performance. But I'm like, well, I want to see what they're doing backstage or I want to see yeah, yeah. warm up. And I think that's really great how you incorporate that within your Instagram. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I think it's, it's like with like with these musicians and stuff and singers, when they when they go on stage, you already know so much information about them. You know, like who they're dating, where they live, what kind of car they drive. And so by the time they get on stage and they're singing about those things, it's like you make it, you totally understand it. Yes. And you feel like you have more of a connection with them and you can maybe relate to them as well. Yeah, exactly. And I love how, like, as you said, these singers, musicians, actors on YouTube as well, they have all these interviews with different media places like Vogue, their 72 questions and all of these different yeah. things. And it's like, you know, already these people and you feel like you've got an insight to their lives. So then you're more invested in watching them and, you know, going on their journey. As well. yeah. Now to end this podcast, Julian, I always love to ask a question to all of my guests, which is what makes you feel most confident in your skin? Hmm. Well, uh, I would say funny enough, probably dancing. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think, I think for me, uh, really like the times that I feel the most confident and like the most happy about like who I am and what I've done with my life has been on stage and like kind of the build up to those performances, those experiences. And like, then also like the physicality of being on stage and like either nailing that and like making it amazing and stuff because you've worked for it or completely failing and having to uh, deal with that as well and continue performing. So I think for me, probably it's definitely uh, dancing because I feel that, um, it's, it's such a part of, of my life and who I am that that's when I really, uh, uh, enjoy myself the most. I love it. And there's so much freedom to it as well. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today, Julian. Of course. Thank you for having me. Okay, guys, that is a wrap for today's episode. I really, really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And thank you again, Julian, for coming on. Hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas and I'm sending my love to all of you. Lots of love.